Welcome to Conversations with Myself, featuring me, myself, and I, sometimes a guest. Welcome. Welcome. Bienvenidos. Bienvenue. Bienvenuto. Dobre den. However you say welcome and your language, welcome to my podcast. This is the third episode in a series. Uh, the podcast is titled Conversations with Myself. It's just a platform for me to get up here and, and share some stories. And, uh, you know, there's, there's really a point to everything. And this episode dives into getting into that point. Uh, the point where this is coming from and where we're going to focus a lot of our time over the next, I'd say maybe 10 episodes, is on a principle that was taught to me when I was younger by my dad. And I call them the flip it principles. So we're going to get into that, uh, the origins of it, what it means, and how to apply it in your day-to-day life uh, and live a much more fulfilling and positive life. Now, before we get into that, though, uh, I do want to address something. You know, at the beginning of this podcast, I say, uh, welcome in, bienvenidos, bienvenue, bienvenuto, and dobre den. Um, there's, those are, uh, the first one, welcome, is in German, uh, bienvenue. Uh, is French, uh, Bienvenuto is Italian, Bienvenidos is, is Spanish, and Dobre Den uh, comes from our friends in Poland. Now, I do that and uh, for a very specific reason, right? So when I started doing this podcast, before I published it, you know, I went to, uh, went to my wife. Uh, I can always count on her to not be a yes man, right? So she won't just tell me what I want to hear. She'll give me, you know, honest, good feedback. So she goes, hey, so why do you do that? Why do you say it in multiple languages if you're not going to present the podcast in those languages? And the answer is pretty simple, right? Carrying on a message from the last episode, I don't care who you are, right, or where you come from. What I care about is how are you doing? So when I say welcome in multiple languages, it's my way of putting out an open invitation, uh, saying that all people are welcome here, and that's my way of saying welcome. Um, to everyone who listens. So wanted to, you know, clear that up really quick. And then let's jump right into uh, this week's topic. Now, this week's episode is titled after an essay that I wrote. Uh, and it's called Brandishing and Terror in the Foothills of Mount Tefert. Now, for those of you that know me, uh, know that I served in the Army Um, And I was an infantryman stationed out of Fort Riley, Kansas. And during my time in the Army, we were mock deployed. It's like a practice deployment, if you will, uh, to Fort Irwin, which is in Barstow, California. And it was while on that mock deployment and conducting a live fire exercise that I was involved in a horrific accident. Uh, that should have, by all, by all rights, should have claimed my life, uh, but it didn't. And I am still here today, and I want to share this story with you uh, to kind of give you an idea of the ability that we all have and the strength that we all have within us to pick ourselves up and drive on to dust our knees off and get back into the fight, as it were. 
And I share this story additionally to show that I'm living proof that you can go through something so horrific and you can lose the mental war and allow yourself to, to get knocked down and not get back up. Or you can fight and you can win and you can see things differently and live a more positive life. So I want to take you back to uh, 2002, uh, March 29th to be exact. Uh, we were on our, our mock deployment. We were in the field and we were setting up to do a live fire. Now, a buddy of mine, Lewis, Cameron Lewis, shout out if you're listening, man. Hope you're doing well in Visalia. A buddy of mine, Cameron Lewis, he uh, came back in from doing guard, and he said, man, I don't know, something's weird about today. And I said, what do you mean, man? He said, you know, just, I don't know, man, like, there's something weird. Something weird is in the air. The sky just looks funny. The clouds are weird. I don't know how to describe it, man. Something looks weird. Uh, but we just shook it off because Lewis, uh, we also called him man who, while he runs, uh, because when we were running during PT, he had to go. And he was told not to break rakes, and he started going, and he was shitting while he was running. So, uh, anyways, so we just thought it was Lewis being Lewis, maybe, but we didn't know that Lewis might have been onto something. So fast forward, we start doing our live fires about one o'clock in the morning, and the way that mortar rounds work, if you're unfamiliar, it's kind of like artillery. Uh, you put what looks like a missile, right, or a, a super, uh, really large grenade. You hang it over a tube, and you let go, and you drop it. And that round slides down the tube and hits a firing pin and gets shot right back out of the, the tube. And in some instances, the round goes down the tube, and it doesn't fire. And that's called a misfire, and that's where this whole thing really begins. And I'll never forget that night because there were so many things that happened that weren't supposed to happen. To give you an example, the misfire procedures were done all wrong, completely wrong. There were so many steps that we missed. And did that lead to the accident? Perhaps. So what happened was when we started doing our misfire procedures, uh, the round slipped out of the extractor, which is used to pull the tube or the round out of the tube, went down, hit the firing pin. And because the nitrous chargers that were attached to the tail of the mortar round, when they caught fire and couldn't mix with oxygen, the round heated and the casing cracked and the round exploded. A 120 millimeter mortar round exploded. Prior to the explosion, when we were all instructed to get back onto the track, my peers went over the front of the track as we should have done and as they should have done. You never enter the vehicle in the rear because that is, that is a section of vehicle that the tube uh, is hanging over, I guess, for lag. It, it's the direction that, that, that the round is going to be going, is the easiest way to put it, is over the back of the vehicle. So for some reason that I still cannot explain, I went, and this saved my life, I went and tried to get on or get into the vehicle from the rear door 
And as I did, my platoon sergeant stopped me dead in my tracks. Where, what the hell are you doing? You know, you don't enter a vehicle in the, in the rear when you're doing a live fire. Get your ass to the front and conduct these misfire procedures. Roger, sergeant. So I went around to the front, started getting into the vehicle, or climbing over the top of it uh, to get into the driver's hatch. And I heard Sergeant Deckler, may he rest in peace, I heard him say, you better not drop that muff. And Specialist Newton, may he also rest in peace, who was holding the extractor and pulling the round out, said, say again, Sergeant. Sergeant Deckler said it again. Say, you better not drop that mother. At that moment, I heard a click. And the round slipped out of the extractor, slid down the firing tube, hit the firing pin, and there was a loud explosion. I was thrown about 50 meters away from the vehicle. My ears were ringing couldn't see anything. All I could really see was really bright light. So I couldn't see anything, couldn't hear anything. As I started to come to, I looked back to the vehicle and the vehicle was on fire. PFC Perez, may he rest in peace as well, was on the ground. He was decapitated. Specialist Newton was not around. He'd been blown from the vehicle and only half of Sergeant Deckler's body I could see on top of the vehicle. I began crawling away, and Sergeant Schieser picked me up and helped me get to our fire direction center. I was loaded onto a Black Hawk helicopter at some point, and as we took off, I looked down on the ground, and it looked like, almost like a field of flowers. It was red, green and orange and they were chem lights or glow sticks as we know them right and they were instructed uh green for equipment red for body parts and orange for unknown so as we're flying away in the blackhawk i looked down and it looked like a field of flowers glowing in the night and you know for years you know i struggled with why did i live why did those three die? Maybe if I had gone to the front of the track and got there first, maybe I would have taken the bad device off, the blast attenuation device off the, the front of the tube. Maybe I would have lowered the tube. Maybe would have, I would have made sure that the weapon was on safe so the firing pin wasn't sticking out. There's a whole list of what ifs. And I carried a lot of guilt about the accident. And I spent 12 weeks in a VA hospital in Topeka, Kansas, dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, otherwise known as PTSD, and I still deal with it to this day. But here's where I'm going at with it, and this is the whole point of this episode. I could have stayed down. I could have given up. I could have gave in to my addictions, became an alcoholic, a drug addict, and I could have given up. I could have wallowed in my own self-pity and guilt. I'm like, why, why me? Why, why did I live? Why, why couldn't I die? Sergeant Deckler had a brand new baby when he was deployed to Fort Irwin. So why did I get to live? That's one way of thinking about it, yes. And I'm going to tell you this next part is not easy, but it is possible. There's another way to look at that situation. 
And the way I look at it, instead of looking at it as, why me? Why, why didn't I die? I should have died. It was my fault, my responsibility. Instead, I flipped it over and said, you know what? I was given a chance to live and make something of my life. And to this day, I have five kids additional from, I had Dylan and Taylor at the time, but I have five more kids that I would not have had had I died that night. So I was given life to do something with it, to bring more life into this world. So I encourage you, whatever you're going through, there is another side of it. There is always a positive in every situation. For me, I was able to live, I have a life still, right? Another small example to help drive this home, if you're stuck working late, it's like, man, I don't, I don't wanna be here, I should be at home, this two hours sucks. Yeah, it sucks, but what's the flip it to it? You're making two hours of overtime pay, two hours of extra money that you did not have initially. So I know this was a long episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, merci beaucoup. Gracias. Muchísimas gracias. Thank you for listening in. Um, next week, it's not going to be as dark, I promise. Uh, next week, I'm going to really start digging into um, where the Flip It principles came from um, and give you a little bit of homework to do. Um, I do have a... Uh, manuscript of the essay that goes into very it goes into a lot more detail if you're interested and you want a copy of it please send me an email conversations with myself 21 at gmail.com and i'll be happy to send one over to you again thank you so much for listening um, you guys stay safe stay healthy and we'll see you next week take care